0: What's up everybody you're listening to the 10 after 7 podcast on YouTube with your host Michael Cody Stevenson it's episode 37 and the only 37 I can think of at the top of my head is Sean Alexander, one-time running back of the Seattle Seahawks. I believe a one-time holder of the most rushing touchdowns in a single season, and I don't think anyone's thought about him for the last decade or so, so shout out to him. But now we dive right in to what's important. This podcast is LA all day, every day, 24-7. And right now, there's no better place to live if you're a sports fan because LA is running things. On one hand, you got the Los Angeles Lakers, led by LeBron James and Anthony Davis, competing for the Lakers' 17th NBA title. They're taking on the Miami Heat, and after game one, it looks like it's going to be on cruise control. Anthony Davis had a monster game. LeBron James, per usual, a near triple-double, and they ran away with that one. 1-0 series lead. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Maybe the Heat take one or two, but that's it. Lakers are getting it done. Then on the other hand, you have the Los Angeles Dodgers. They took on the Milwaukee Brewers, who had no business playing in the wild card series in a best of three. And the Dodgers mopped the floor with those guys. Walker Bueller pitched game one. Mookie Betts drove in a couple runs. Corey Seager hit a late homer. Kenley Jansen held on for the save for the 1-0 series lead. And then the next night, Clayton Kershaw got the ball. And all you heard about was the October woes from the big lefty, number 22. And Clayton Kershaw shut everyone up for the time being. He only went out there and struck out 13 Milwaukee Brewers through eight shutout innings. Dodgers win 3 0. Mookie drives in another couple runs, and it's a 2 0 series sweep. Dodgers are going into the bubble in Texas to take on the winner of the Cardinals and Padres. But let's talk about Kershaw, my favorite athlete of all time. You guys know this by now. Kershaw in that game. I want to let you guys know that was the first major leaguer since 2015 to throw eight shutout innings in the postseason. What's different? If you watch the game, Kershaw was missing bats. We've known he's been susceptible the last couple of years to giving up homers. Was kind of pitching to contact. Wasn't the guy that struck out 10 plus as he was maybe five, six years ago. But last night he had 24 missed swings. That's the most he's had since June 16th of 2016. June 10th, excuse me. That's the most of his postseason career. He pitched into the eighth inning for only the second time in October. The last time he did that, I was at the game. It was against the Atlanta Braves in October of 2018. He only had three strikeouts this game. But for him to go out and strike out thirteen and tell all these haters, shut up. I'm a new guy. Did you not watch me all year when I went six and two with a 2.16 ERA? one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. And then to have a guy like Mookie Betts in that lineup, drove in in three of the seven runs in the series. Well, not a lot of of other guys stepped up outside of Corey Seager. The best one-two punch in baseball. If it's not Corey Seager and Mookie Betts at this point, please let me know who is. But those guys at the top of the lineup is dangerous. And the Dodgers, yeah, they won two games against the Brewers who... Like I said, had no business playing in this best of three. And I want to get a, get into that for a minute. So the MLB expanded their playoffs to 16 teams. And I think it was stupid. Even before this series started, and I didn't want to say anything before the series started because maybe people would have thought, oh, you're just kind of trying to defend yourself if the Dodgers lose to the Brewers, how they shouldn't have been there. No. Listen, Dodgers should have beat the Brewers. They beat the Brewers. But the Brewers only, they didn't spend a day They didn't spend one day over these 60 games this year over 500. Why do they belong in the playoffs? MLB wants their ratings to skyrocket, so they want more elimination games. That's why they added this three-game series. I didn't like it. I think it's stupid. It didn't benefit anyone. Anyone could win in a best-of-three. The best team usually doesn't win in those ones. But the Dodgers got it done. And a lot of other teams who were supposed to win didn't because of this setup and it's a shame yeah it's been fun the last couple of days it's been kind of a march madness feel with baseball being on all day but please let's not do the three game series thing because it would have been a real shame if baseball lost the dodgers in this first round and didn't have no listen no one's gonna watch if you lose your big dogs early and that's almost what happened but thank god the yankees who actually went into cleveland against the best pitcher against Shane Bieber it rocked him around and the Yankees are still in this thing Dodgers are still in it because if they weren't Rob Manfred was probably banging his head on the table because we know he's the biggest stooge out there and this would have been a real problem if the Big Dogs lost in this best of three series so the Dodgers are going into the bubble in Texas they'll play the winner of the Cardinals Padres that's going into game three today and we could talk about the Cardinals versus the Padres. Listen, I don't need to root for any one of these teams. I had my buddy Ethan Searle saying, "Come on, man, you got to root for the NL West." No, that's not how it works. The only time I ever root for interdivision rivals is in college football, when the Pac-12, who gets no respect, it really shouldn't at this point. That's the only time I'll root for interdivision rivals. When a Pac-12 team's playing against an SEC or a Big 12 in a bowl game, yes, I, ro- I will root for the Pac-12. But in these other sports, professional sports, no way in hell am I ever going to root for anyone in the NL West. No way in hell am I ever going to root for anyone in the NFC West in football. And in basketball, why would anyone root for the Western Conference if your Lakers are not playing? So the Cardinals vs. Padres, it's been an electric couple games the Padres lost game one and then last night they were bat flipping their way to a comeback to knock out the Cardinals to force a game three today I don't think they're gonna win I'm not rooting for either team to win I already hate the Cardinals and I'm starting to hate the Padres and I was hoping last night if I wasn't rooting for anyone I was really hoping Manny Machado's bat flip and then Fernando Tatis's bat flip ended with a loss Because that would have been hilarious. And I'm not anti-bat flips. But those Padres keep walking around like their shit don't stink. And they forget that they haven't been even an inch of relevancy. And I don't know how long. So I'm hoping... I I, want to play either one of those teams. Because I want to hate the Padres even more. I think I already do. And we know the history that the Cardinals and Dodgers have. And then on the other side of the National League playoffs, you have the Atlanta Braves. They took two right away from the Cincinnati Reds, shut him out for 22 innings. Trevor Bauer pitched a masterful game in game one. Max Freed did as well on the other side for the Braves. The game went 13 innings until Freddie Freeman knocked in the game-winning run. And then yesterday, it was another one nothing game late. Marcel Ozuna hit a homer. Braves win 5 nothing, so they move on to the next round. They will play the winner of the series between the Cubs and the Marlins. And the Marlins are already up 1-0 in that series. And it would be something if the Marlins, who contracted COVID early on in the season, everyone thought they ruined it all for everyone. It would be something if they moved on to the next round. And them against the Braves would be a good matchup. Their star pitcher today is going 6-0 Sanchez. taking on you, Darvish. I got the Cubs forcing a game three tomorrow between those two teams. And then the American League gets juicy. And those Houston Astros, like I said with the Milwaukee Brewers, the Houston Astros didn't finish 500. They had absolutely no fucking business competing in the playoffs. They should have been banned from the playoffs after them cheating, but Rob Manfred doesn't have a sack. So he did nothing about it. And they beat the Twins two games straight. We all knew that was coming because the Minnesota Twins have now lost 18 consecutive postseason games. And they will take on the A's who knocked off The Chicago White Sox in three games. And the A's and Houston Astros, if you don't remember earlier this year, they got into a scuffle. Ramon Laureano charged the entire bench for the Houston Astros. There's some history there. Mike Fires, supposedly the tattletale who ratted out the Houston Astros from cheating in 2017, does pitch for the A's. So that one's going to be juicy. And then on the other side, the Tampa Bay Rays made quick work of the Blue Jays. They're the number one seed in the AL. And the Rays will take on the Yankees. That's right. The Yankees hit about a billion homers against the Cleveland Indians in two games and swept them. So Rays-Yankees, they also got into some beef this year. Aroldis Chapman got suspended for three games for throwing a 101-mile-per-hour fastball behind the head of one of the Tampa Bay Rays guys. So they've been playing beanball all season long. I'm fired up for those two series. And those two series will take place in San Diego and Los Angeles. And if I'm the Los Angeles Dodgers, listen, I don't like pettiness, but the Houston Astros and Oakland A's are going to play that division series best of five at Dodger Stadium. And if I were to work for the Dodgers, if I was high up for the Dodgers, I'd say, hey, Rob Manfred, you've been a pain in everyone's ass all year long. Ever since you became commissioner, you've been an absolute train wreck. And you know what? We were willing to let the ALDS be played at our stadium but since it's the Houston Astros you need to take this shit somewhere else we're not going to let the Houston Astros play a series at Dodger Stadium, it's just not going to happen that's what I would do seriously, I would be that petty I would say the Houston Astros, no way they could play at Dodger Stadium unless they're playing the Los Angeles Dodgers find somewhere else to play, go to Angels Stadium and Carlos Correa in his post-game interview after beating the Minnesota Twins, like that was some kind of big accomplishment because he did it on the road. He said, oh, what are people going to say about us now? We won on the road. Listen, Carlos Gray, you need to keep your mouth shut. You beat a Minnesota Twins team who, like I said, hasn't won a game in 18 tries in the postseason. And you guys kind of got bailed out because there was an air late in game one When the Twins should have had a chance at the bottom of the ninth going in tied and winning that game. So he kind of got bailed out. And I would just... Correa is number one. Carlos Correa has passed Tom Brady on my all sports hate list. That's where he stands. That's a huge accomplishment in itself, Correa. You're one of the most hated dudes in sports. And I think I'm not the only one. I speak for a lot of people when I say Carlos Correa is a big fucking rat. That's what he is. He thinks he's all tough, puffing out his chest, saying, what are they going to say about us now? Well, what we have to say is if you didn't have to cheat, then why'd you cheat? Why'd you cheat for the last three years if you didn't have to? I'm hoping the A's sweep the fuck out of the Houston Astros in that one. I got an A's jersey and I'm going to wear that every damn day those two teams compete. But once we get into the bubble in Texas, I'm going to be fired up Dodger playoffs, I'm on edge, blood pressure's high, beers will probably be flowing. I'm trying to cut back because I know it's, I push myself to the limit when the Dodgers are in the playoffs, especially coinciding with the Lakers who are in the NBA Finals and we could jump right into that. In game one, the Lakers won 116-98 against the Miami Heat and the Miami Heat in that first quarter looked like they were going to be a problem. They went up 23 to 10 very early in that one. Jimmy Butler was making shots, it seemed like everyone was making shots and the Lakers were doing the opposite. And then the Lakers finished that first quarter on a 21 to 5 run. And since that 13 point deficit in that first quarter, they won on a 75 to 30 run against the Miami Heat. Think about that 75 to 30. They absolutely took control of that game. They took it by the throat and stomped on the Miami Heat. LeBron James, typical game for him, 25 points, 13 rebounds, 9 assists. And then Anthony Davis, who's been phenomenal. The guy's been averaging 31.6 points per game since the start of the Western Conference Finals, and he only went out in Game 1 of the NBA Finals, scored 34 points, had 9 rebounds, 5 assists, and 3 blocks. And now what are people going to say? The excuses are already coming because the Miami Heat suffered a couple injuries in that game. Goran Drogic might miss Game 2 tonight. And Bam on a bio, a strained shoulder. He might be out as well. And there was already one writer, I don't know his name, and I don't care for his name, saying this was the easiest path to the NBA final. And I said this on last week's podcast. I said, watch it. You're gonna start hearing just just to doubt LeBron James because for whatever reason people don't like LeBron James still. And you're gonna hear whispers that the Lakers, oh, they had to play the Blazers, who were already done with when everyone was talking about how scary they were going to be oh they had to play the Rockets the small ball lineup they looked awful oh I thought that was going to be a problem for the Lakers oh they played the Denver Nuggets they were young they weren't ready oh the team that came back down 3-1 in two separate series Jokic the best big man in the game right Jamal Murray dropping 50 burgers tough to guard it's funny how things change when the Lakers start winning games, but that game one was a good sign for the Lakers. Caldwell Pope stepped up in that first quarter when they fell behind. Dwight Howard got the start, and here's the here's the one stat you got to look out for. The Lakers ended that game shooting thirty nine point five percent from the three point line. And this postseason, they have not lost a game when they shoot at least thirty percent. I thought this game, I thought this series was going to go six when it first started. But if injuries are involved, I think the Lakers could sweep and I think this could get done in five games. And yes, no asterisk whatsoever on a 17th championship for the Los Angeles Lakers. You've got to be mentally tough in the bubble. Whatever Scottie Pippen, I, the old players for the NBA, they need to put a lot of those guys on mute. Because Scottie Pippen came out this week and said, oh, I, it's not even NBA basketball, it's pickup. Those guys have a lot to say. A lot to say at the end of their careers. I mean, you want, you want petty? Ex-NBA players are the pettiest motherfuckers in any sport. In any sport. I mean, look at Paul Pierce. He legitimately won't give LeBron James an ounce of credit for anything. Because LeBron James whooped that ass and broke up that Boston Celtics big three team by, by the way, only won one title and Doc Rivers is still living pretty off that one. So we could jump right into Doc Rivers. I was shocked. I don't think anyone could say they weren't surprised. We knew how disappointing the Los Angeles Clippers were when they blew that 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets, but I don't think anyone expected Doc Rivers to be out as the Clippers head coach. And I like how that was the saying. They used the word Doc Rivers out as Clippers head coach, not fired not let go, just out as Clippers head coach. He was fired. Steve Ballmer had enough. He said Doc's been here for seven years, hasn't got this team farther than Vinny Del Negro did when he was head coach of the Los Angeles Clippers. So I think he's the guy that's going to be the scapegoat. We got to get rid of him. So Doc Rivers out about a week after the Clippers get bounced out of the bubble. And then Doc Rivers, not even, I think, three days after, he got let go on Monday. And then on Wednesday night, or Thursday morning, Doc Rivers signed a five-year deal to become the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. And I think the Sixers, I don't think they're fixable. They got a lot of talent. They got a guy, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Two very good basketball players. One can't shoot. One can be the most dominant big man the game's ever seen, it feels like, on a given night. And then the next night, he just disappears. So if you're Doc Rivers, you're going into that team with contracts that are untradeable. Tobias Harris is getting paid by the minute, probably a mil. And then Al Horford, who looks like he's aged 100 years in the span of 16 months, he's getting paid by the second. So I don't know what Doc Rivers is doing there. I don't know how much control he has. We saw when he was the quote-unquote general manager for the Clippers as well as head coach but I think right away in Philadelphia if you're going to do anything you got to trade one of the other Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons I don't know who he prefers me personally I don't like a guy that can't shoot the basketball as good as Ben Simmons is on defense as good as a passer he is as good as I mean he literally is fantastic to watch and that's probably only because he's one of the only few guys in the NBA that can't shoot from outside of the paint i think that's entertaining i'm probably the only one so i would probably trade ben simmons you could probably get a good haul for him i think a lot of teams would be willing to trade for a young ben simmons and then try to build around joel mb try to get a guy that can work hand in hand with the big man down low So that's Doc Rivers' new destination, Philadelphia. He hasn't reached the conference finals. He has that one title with the Boston Celtics in 2008. He's one of the most respected people in basketball, so he keeps getting jobs left and right. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. So yes, this podcast, strictly, it's about L.A. And in my perfect world, think about it. If we're in any other... This is crazy that it's even happening, that the Lakers are playing in a finals while the Dodgers are also competing in the postseason of baseball. But if somehow they can make it work, the world can finally be normal, I think the Dodgers and Lakers should have a combined parade if they both end up winning championships in the same year, which is the last time that happened was in 1988, the last year the Dodgers won a World Series. And can you imagine... If both of these teams won and then, say, on Halloween nights now, they wouldn't have a parade on a weekend, which would be epic if they did it on October 31st, um, say maybe a day before the election, because who knows what the hell is going to happen the day after the day of the election, say they shut it down and say, you know what, we're having a parade. In the perfect world, COVID doesn't exist, obviously. And we have a combined parade with the Dodgers and Lakers. I don't think a single person wouldn't be on the streets of Los Angeles to see that play out. I know I would be there. I know every single person I know in my life would also be there. It would probably be the happiest day of my life to celebrate a Lakers and Dodgers championship on the same day with each of those guys from both teams taking to the podium and saying the most absurd shit because they're 100 beers deep because they just became NBA and MLB champions and all dedicated to Kobe Bryant that would be the ultimate that would make 2020 probably one of the best years ever when everyone knows it's probably been the worst please make that happen somehow, some way. make a combined parade with the Lakers and Dodgers happen We could jump right into some NFL football. I'm going to talk about some lines. I'm going to again pick three games and see how I do, which is probably shit because I haven't done any. I haven't done anything good with my picks all year. I think I've won two games in the first three weeks. And I'm going to go over some lines and try to pick some winners. Three games. Lock it in. And like I said last week, if you're not fading me at this point, it's your fault, not mine. Also, I do want to make a quick note. One... Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. I don't think anyone cares. I maybe watched a total of three minutes of the Stanley Cup. I don't know a player on the Tampa Bay Lightning, but congrats to them. Because they think Tampa Bay is the sports scene right now with Tom Brady in Tampa. Tampa Bay Lightning obviously winning. Tampa Bay Rays obviously a good pick to make it out of the AL. But I think that's nonsense. But shout out to the Tampa Bay Lightning for winning the Stanley Cup. And college football... For the first time, actually, last week, the SEC returning, it made it feel somewhat real. Because the first couple weeks, you had a bunch of small schools competing against each other. The Big 12, I think, started before anyone else. But the SEC coming back, fire me up. LSU played Mississippi State last week. Mike Leach running things over at Mississippi State now. Took the quarterback from Stanford to transfer KJ Costello threw for 623 yards because, of course, Mike Leach is his coach, and they upset LSU with their new quarterback, Miles Brennan. And then Spencer Rattler, the quarterback for Oklahoma, they got upset against Kansas State, and I thought that game was over. I took a midday nap and missed the ending of that one. But college football is making its way back. There's some good games on the slate when SEC teams are playing SEC teams, it's watchable. When Texas, another crazy game last week, I think they win overtime against Texas Tech and won 63-56. to 56. You like points, college football, and Big 12 is the conference for you. So I'm all in on that. But let's get right into some NFL picks. The first one I see on the board is the Indianapolis Colts minus 2.5 against the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears, obviously... They pivoted from Mitch Trubisky, quarterback, and put in Nick Foles. We all know what Nick Foles did in Philadelphia when he was put into the game. He went on to win a Super Bowl against the New England Patriots. He will always be America's quarterback for beating Tom Brady in that one. But I'm not going to touch that game. Nope, not for me. New Orleans favored by four and a half against the Detroit Lions. I'm not going to touch that one. Arizona minus three and a half against the Carolina Panthers yes sir give me that one the Arizona Cardinals did lose the Detroit Lions last week a bad loss but I'm still on the Kyler Murray train I will be on that train all season long for my own just, just me I'm, I'm Kyler Murray no one else is on Kyler Murray's band lagging like I am I'm driving first class I'm driving that plane So give me the Arizona Cardinals, minus three and a half of the Carolina Panthers. Carolina did win last week against the Los Angeles Chargers, which, bad loss of your Chargers, man. Bad loss. So lock that one in. Arizona minus three and a half against the Carolina Panthers. We move on. Jacksonville Jaguars, Cincinnati Bengals, favored by three in that one. I don't think I'm going to watch that one. I'll, I'll check out the highlights later. Here's a good one. The Cleveland Browns, and the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys favored by five. They need a win. They're one and two right now. Lost a game against Seattle last week. They made it close, but Seattle is one of the best teams in football right now outside of a pretty bad defense. But I am going to not, not, I'm not going to fall into the trap of picking the Cleveland Browns As invested as I am in that team with their running backs, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, I'm running them out every single week in my fantasy lineup. I am taking the Dallas Cowboys minus five over the Cleveland Browns in Dallas. Lock that one in. We move on. Chargers taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Chargers get plus seven in that one. I'm not going to touch that one. I don't know what you're getting from the Chargers. I know Herbert's their quarterback now and he looks pretty good. Tampa Bay... I think they're kind of flying under the radar right now. I haven't heard a lot of people talk about them. I think people will talk about them when they lose, but when they win, it's all expected with Tom Brady at quarterback. So there's that. The Ravens minus 14 taking on the Washington football team. Here's the thing. The Baltimore Ravens played on Monday night against the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes had a vintage Patrick Mahomes game. Lit up that Baltimore defense. Lamar Jackson couldn't do much coming from behind. He hasn't been able to all his career. And minus 14 is kind of a big one. I'm going to stay away. That's not my third game. It's not going to happen. My Rams coming off a loss, a brutal loss to the Buffalo Bills. They're minus 13 and a half against the New York Giants. Giants are bad, but I still think... I I don't like big spreads like that in the NFL. I just don't. Kansas City and New England. That's a juicy one. Minus seven for the Chiefs at home against the New England Patriots. If they give me a half point... Dropped it down to six. I might touch that one. Not for me. Not for me. But here's the game I'm going to do. The Buffalo Bills are going into Las Vegas against the Raiders. And the Buffalo Bills are minus three and a half. They haven't lost a game. Josh Allen looks good. Listen, last week, i never seen a quarterback in the span of five minutes draw a personal foul penalty. The guy, he literally, the quarterback... Got a face mask penalty called against him when he was avoiding the rush through one of the defensive linemen for the Rams down by the face mask. It was awesome to see. And then he got an unsportsmanlike conduct a couple minutes before that for arguing a late hit call with a referee. I think it was a quick flag. But hey, Josh Allen, if Nick Foles is America's quarterback... I think Josh Allen's got to be right behind there because he's exciting to watch. Something is happening when Josh Allen's on the football field. Buffalo Bills minus three and a half on the road against the Las Vegas Raiders. Yes, please. So there's my three picks. Buffalo minus three and a half on the road against the Las Vegas Raiders. Then you got the Arizona Cardinals on the road in Carolina minus three and a half. Yes, sir. And then my third game, it was Dallas at home, minus five against the Cleveland Browns. I'm not falling into the trap. We are going Dallas Cowboys over the Cleveland Browns, minus five. There's your three picks. Do what you want with them. I know it's not going to be pretty. You want to know how bad I am at picks? I have a weekly pick them with a couple of friends of mine, James Music, Ryan Music, Drew Staker, and Devin Raw. Last week, I went into Monday night, I had a score projection, Kansas City beating Baltimore 35-31. I listened to a lot of sports talk radio that day, Dan, Dan Patrick show specifically. Ross Tucker went on that show and said, you know what, I think the Ravens win by two touchdowns. And my idiotic self went into the app and changed my pick to the Baltimore Ravens, winning 35-21. to And we all know what happened. The Chiefs won 34-20. And I was fooled. I don't think anyone picks these things. I think it's all guessing, and that's exactly what I'm doing. But those three games are there for you to choose or fate. But that's all I have for you. L.A. all day, every day. Clayton Kershaw has the monkey off his back for now. He's going to his hometown in Dallas, the bubble, to have the World Series there, the National League Championship Series, and the Division Series. I think this is a different dude. He's striking out guys again. He's missing bats. And Mookie Betts, I haven't felt this way about a player on the Dodgers in a long time. When he comes to the plate, I know it's going to get done. I know he's going to come up with a big hit. I haven't had that feeling since Manny Ramirez was shooting up whatever the hell he was shooting up in 2008, and he was hitting the ball every which way. Any ball thrown, anywhere near the strike zone, he was putting bat on ball and into play. And Mookie Betts seems like that's the guy that you want at the plate every single time. Uh, there's no question about it i feel very good when he's at the dish that's all i have for you guys today on the 10 after 7 podcast you can follow me on twitter at 10 after 7 and on the instagram at 10 underscore after underscore 7 have a wonderful weekend i'm out Woo! go dodgers